أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذاريات ذروا فالحاملات وقرا فالجاريات يسرا فالمقسمات أمرا إنما توعدون لصادق وإن الدين لواقع رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله وصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته um, Some of you are here now Alhamdulillah already early for the Balagha intensive that's starting tomorrow and uh, typically uh, between or after the Isha prayer I continue my series on Surah Al-Kahf so I'll probably pick that up starting tomorrow again inshallah but I wanted to take a break from that today and recap something I talked about on a trip I just came back from. I was in uh, Seattle, was visiting a community, and the topic of my, my talk there was reflections from Surah Al-Dhariyat, uh, which is the 51st Surah of uh, the Qur'an. Uh, a lot of times Muslims, generally we Muslims, we know some of the more famous Surahs, uh, probably ones from the beginning, and then ones at the very end, right, the shorter ones. And then some of the ones that are famous for recitation, like Surah Yasin and Surah Ar-Rahman and things like that. But a lot of the surahs in the Quran are relatively not as well known. So we don't really get a chance to get introduced to them in an easy kind of way. right? So this is an opportunity for you to maybe learn something about a surah that you may not have heard much about or wouldn't know as much about. Okay, um, So just a couple of quick things, because that was a pretty long lecture, but I'm just going to give you like a 10 minute or less you know, recap of some of the things that are in this surah that are really beautiful. So, this was given to the Prophet ﷺ when he was still in Mecca, right? And the, the surahs that were given to the Prophet in Mecca have different focus. And one of the areas of focus is that some surahs were focused on talking to the, to the people that didn't believe that anything will happen after we die. Or... They had an idea something will happen, but they didn't agree with what the Qur'an was saying will happen. They had their own version of what's going to happen after we die, of resurrection, right? So there were lots and lots of different religions and philosophies in Mecca at the time. There were people that didn't believe in any resurrection. وَمَا يُهْلِكُنَا إِلَّا الدَّهْرِ مَا هِيَ إِلَّا حَيَاتُنَا الدُّنْيَا نَمُوتُ وَنَحْيَا وَمَا يُهْلِكُنَا إِلَّا الدَّهْرِ That's also a Meccan attitude. Some people said this is the only life we ever have. And time will kill us, and that's the end of it. That's what they believed. And Quran even recorded their belief system. It says, this is what they say, right? Uh, others did not believe that there's going to be a resurrection. Others also believe that there are people that are or, uh, uh, saints or angels that are very close to, to God, to Allah. So when they do die, that God's going to ask those angels, what should I do with this guy? What should I do with this one? What should I do with that one? And then... That person, that secondary angel, whoever that is, that's going to decide what's going to happen with you and me. So, so long as we're good with them, they're going to put in a good word for us. So we don't have to deal with Allah. We don't have to deal with God. We just have to deal with these angels. And that's kind of the one of the rationales behind the idol worship. Because the idols represented those who can be shufa'a'una Allah. They can be the ones that put in a good word for us with, with Allah, right? So we don't have to deal with Allah so directly. But, well, Qur'an came and challenged that and said, you have to deal with Allah directly. He's speaking to you directly. You have to worship Him directly. You're answerable to Him directly. And these that you are calling on and thinking that they're going to help you on Judgment Day, right? they're, they're going to disappear on Judgment Day. You know, 
So, and so there are surahs that describe and break these concepts one at a time. What Surah Dhariyat does is it's focused on people that did actu didn't actually think that there's something, it's, there's a reality to resurrection. Like they, don't, they think it's far-fetched. I mean, fine, I believe in a God, but I don't think anything's going to happen after we die, right? And whatever justice there is, it's happening here. Or if there's a God, he created this universe, and he did a pretty good job, but then he's busy with something else. Why would he be? Well, why would he care about whether I'm doing drugs or drinking alcohol, or why would he care if I cursed or if I got I yelled at my mom? Why would he care? He's got a universe to run, so he's too busy with that. He's, he's has no time for me. You understand? So what Allah does in the surah is He starts off by uh, using the example of wind, of wind, of blowing winds as an argument for why someone who believes in Allah, believes in God, should believe in resurrection. Now you would think, what would wind have to do with resurrection? They seem like unrelated things, right? So he says, and by the way, they, they begin with oaths. I swear by, وَالذَّارِيَاتِ فَالْحَامِلَاتِ فَالْجَارِيَاتِ فَالْمُقَسِّمَاتِ So very briefly, he says, I swear by the winds that you know, carry lots of dust. So winds that blow a lot of dust would be dhariyat. Okay? And they do, so like a, you know, a desert, desert winds that blow a lot of sand into the air, right? So that's the image. Then he says, فَالْحَامِلَاتِ وِقْرَى And these, these winds are so strong, not only are they picking up dust, they are carrying burdens with them too. And these burdens is an imagery in Arabic for clouds. So these winds are so strong, lower, closer to the earth, there's dust blowing, but up in the sky, the clouds are in motion because of the same winds. They're pushing and propelling the clouds to a certain land. Then he says, you know, فَالْجَارِيَاتِ yusra. Then they start moving slowly. The winds slow down, and then they ease up. So they were moving pretty fast, and it was dust, you know, dust was flying in the air, and it was pretty aggressive wind. And then the clouds appeared, because the clouds have been pushed over to this village, and then all of a sudden, the winds calm down, and they start moving easily. And when they move e with ease, what happens to those clouds? They're no longer moving, because they need more aggressive wind to keep moving. Allah is basically describing here that winds move fast, and you feel the dust, and you feel this aggressiveness, and it might, e might not even be a pleasant experience on the earth, but actually, it is the reason why the same thing that is unpleasant on the earth is the reason why something that you need in this village or in this valley is coming your way. What's that? The clouds. And the wind could carry on and keep blowing, but if it did, the clouds would come and they would also go. But then when the, when the clouds you know, reach where they're supposed to reach, then the winds calm down. And they, they, they move with ease. And you may have known that if you, if you live in a place where there's heavy rain, or if you've been somewhere where there's been really heavy rain, sometimes it's very windy before the rain. And then clouds keep bunching together. And when they really get heavy, the clouds really get heavy, then for a few minutes, there's like complete calm. Like the winds just stop, right? And you think, oh, things are going to be... And then it starts just pouring, right? So there's this scene, and he says, describing that pour, he says, فَالْمُقَسِّمَاتِ amra. Then these winds, they, they divide the decision, meaning which drop should fall on which place, which plant should rise. Which village should get flooded, which place should get droughted? 
Allah is describing in these few ayat, it's an oath, but the oaths are there, the purpose of the oaths is to bring an image to mind, that's one of its functions. So what's the image that's being brought here? Allah created a system for our survival on this earth, and lots of things are needed for our survival, like the minerals on this earth are needed for our survival. But just like that, there's something in the air that is needed for our survival on the earth. If the winds didn't blow, and the dust didn't move, well, the dust is not the only thing that the wind is carrying, it's also carrying pollen. And the pollen is actually involved in germinating the, the plant life on earth. And on top, that same wind is carrying the clouds. And without clouds and rainfall, you have drought seasons and life on the earth starts suffering and can die. So what Allah is describing is you are provided for from the sky as you know it. And you need it. And it's actually a mercy of Allah that He, de he decides where this rain shall fall and where it won't fall, right? On a side note, I, didn't, I, I told you this surah is not about the winds. What's it about? About resurrection, right? About resurrection. And about why, would you, why should we believe that Judgment Day is going to happen the way this man is describing it, this man Muhammad Well, on a side note, when Allah describes an image, He's talking about that image, but He's also talking about something behind that image that you and I should be contemplating. If Allah decides where rain falls and where every drop falls, why is it such a problem for you to accept that Allah decided where the revelation from that same sky that He owns, that He brings rain from, that revelation should, should come upon a particular human being? Why not this one? Why not that one? Because the Quraysh also said, لَوْلَا نُزِلَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ عَلَىٰ رَجُلٍ مِنَ الْقَرِيَةَيْنِ عَظِيمٍ how come this Qur'an didn't come down to one of the, you know, big millionaires in, in town? You know, we have two, two cities that are filled with governors, millionaires, celebrities. We already, they're already influencers. If they had become prophets, it would have been easy because they already have a following. So they just post one thing about their new revelation and everybody would have been like, yay, sign me up. You know, they, they would have got lots of likes. He's, he's relatively unknown. It's a pretty bad idea to choose an unknown man to be a prophet. When you have so many celebrities that are that could do a much better job, that's one of their complaints. And what is this subtle image describing? Allah decides where to bring His rizq, every drop. And the same way, Allah is the one. You don't decide where the rain's going to fall. You'll never control where the rain's going to fall, where the clouds are going to stop. You can't control it. But Allah will decide where the rain will fall. Allah will decide where the revelation will come. The other interesting thing here is that. A command from the sky comes, like a system that Allah built in the sky was activated, and once it was activated, life happened on earth, yes? Life happened on earth. Well, if you can accept that, then it's not hard to accept that Allah has created a system in which He will send another command from the sky, and life will get recreated on the earth. It's actually a manifestation of the same thing. It's like a 2.0 of this, the system that already exists. You understand? It's not a new phenomenon. You're seeing resurrection in front of you every time there's winds moving. So winds, have, in a very creative and powerful way, winds have been used as an argument to, well, if you think winds are coming from Allah, then it should be, if you just contemplated winds, you would know that resurrection comes from Allah. You see, you see the connection between those two things? It's pretty powerful that Allah did that. And that's why what comes as a result of that is, What you've been promised is bound to happen. And judgment is bound to occur. What you've been promised is twofold. Two statements are being made. What you've been promised is true. 
and the, and the judgment is bound to happen. So why two things? Well, because Meccans were promised two things. If you keep this up, if you keep opposing this prophet, then you will be taken care of the way the people of Nuh were taken care of. You are going to get taken out like the people of Salih and Thamud and the, the Pharaoh. When they went after my prophets, this is how I dealt with them. Allah has told them that over and over, yes? So he's saying, well, you keep this up, then the thing that you've been promised by way of the examples of others will hit you too. And it won't be rain. Because the sky can bring life, it can also bring what? It can also bring death. On, the, on another note, this is really beautiful. The Quraysh are being threatened with two things. You will all get killed in this world, like the people of Nuh. What's the second threat? You will then be resurrected. So the threat is two opposite things, death and then what? Life, isn't it? The destruction of a nation is death. Its resurrection is, again, new life, which is even scarier, actually. Both things, death and life. Now, think about winds and rain. Rain can bring about death, flood, can't it? It can destroy places. The sky and the winds can destroy places. Tornadoes and hurricanes can destroy and kill, can't they? And those same tornadoes and hurricanes also bring what? Life. So you see a profound connection between the two warnings and the, the, the oaths that were taken in the beginning to make the case for those two warnings. I don't want to make this long. I'll just share something really nice with you that I, th I think is really beautiful. What Allah will do, I'll give you a synopsis. What Allah does next in this surah is He then starts talking about people who don't, who, who still think that they can just make whatever wild guesses about how things are going to turn out after they die. They'll have their own philosophies and they think this is just a fun subject to talk about. You know, like some people like to philosophize. You know, you know what I think is going to happen, man? And those, they just want to just shoot the breeze. It's just an entertaining conversation. Some people like to, you know, engage in pseudo-intellectual conversation as a mental exercise, nothing more, right? And he describes those people. He says, one way to reject the afterlife is to say, I don't believe in it. Another way is to actually philosophize and pretend like you're an intellectual that knows what they're talking about. And he describes people like that in the next passage. And then the passage after that, he describes people that actually accept this reality and how serious they become and how their life actually practically changes. Right? So, he, so he does, it's remarkable. The case is made, then the people who don't take it seriously versus the people who take it seriously. And then there's a third group, the people who are hearing this for the first time. What about new audiences, right? They don't, they're not opposed to, they're not for, and they're not against. So they should be addressed too. So Allah says, All of that is for the new audience, the neutral people. Well, there's a case for you. Contemplate the earth, you will find conviction. Who's he talking to? He's talking to people that are looking to be convinced. Obviously, people that want to reject it aren't looking for conviction, they're looking for excuses, right? So beautifully organized, Allah described a form of rejection, then He described the acceptance, then He described those who are being invited, or He addressed those who are being invited that may be neutral to this conversation. But then, there's a shift in the surah, and it seems like it's totally unrelated. 
And that what happens is Allah starts talking about Ibrahim السلام, when he was very old. He says, Has the news of the guests of Ibrahim who were honored ever come to you? Anybody ever tell you about the guests of Ibrahim, the honored ones, the noble ones? Ibrahim السلام, lived in a small village. There's no castles or palaces in his village. It's a remote area. He knows everybody in the village. And all of a sudden, dignitaries show up at his house. Dressed like Mukrameen. Right? So the angels are honored by Allah. That's one implication. But Mukrameen can also mean they look like they were royals. You know, they're dressed in royal garb. And they knock on his door. And he opens the door. And he sees these people. And they say, Salam. And he says, Salam. And he says, um, I mean, peace on you. But I, I don't know you guys. Qawmun Munkaroon. A people unknown to me. Right? Some, some scholars say that he said this in his heart. He didn't say it out loud. Which is possible. It's also quite possible. Peace on to you, but do I know you? It could be like that too. And then he invited them in. And because he's old, right? It's not easy for an old person to prepare for, and an old man and a woman to prepare for guests. Especially uninvited guests. Imagine your, your mom and dad that are of older age, and all of a sudden three people show up for dinner. Right, and they're they're about to go to because you know older folks they go to sleep early they you know they have a lack of energy, and all of a sudden three people show up so it's kind of a kind of a burden right, and then also as people get older their language filter goes away, so they can make comments and get away with it right so they can say something like, I guess we have guests so uh, I think it's time to cook, we have anything no well I guess we got to cook for these guests of ours now. Now when you do that, when you make comments like that, what are you making your guests feel? That you're a burden. That they're a burden. That you're annoyed by their, their coming to you. So what does Allah say? He says, فَرَاغَ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهِ So he, رَاغْ is actually al-mail. It's to just hint at his wife without letting them see. So it's kind of like the eye contact thing. Like he turned away from them and said, just a little, little nod. And she knows what to do. She wasn't being difficult either. She didn't say, what are you doing? What's wrong with your eyes? What are you doing? Is your head hurt? Are you saying I should cook? Is that what you're saying? She didn't do that. <laughs> Everything okay? The mic is off. You want me to raise it? Bring it down. Okay. I'll bring it down. So he, he didn't make them feel like they're being a burden. And they went, she went and he went and he slaughtered an animal and they cooked. And they put the meal in front of them. This is the story, right? And I'll fast forward the story because this is supposed to be a synopsis. But the point is, they wouldn't eat the food. And he's a little bit worried now because when they don't eat the food, that could mean that there's something wrong with these people. It could also mean there's something wrong with their intentions. Because back in the day, people that came to kill you in your home, they, it was part of their assassin's creed that they wouldn't kill you in your home. They wouldn't eat your food if they're going to kill you. So now he's kind of worried, are, are these assassins? Are they going to kill me? And he, 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 he felt a level of fear from them. They noticed his fear and said, No, 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 don't be scared. They gave him good news of a, a, a boy he's going to have who's going to grow up to be very knowledgeable. Her wife slapped her face and jumped out at them. And said, an old woman that has never given birth? <laughs> like she just screamed out at them in shock. She was quiet cooking in the back. When she heard this, she aqbalat. They use this, this phrase, 
sarra, sarra al-faras, they use it for, they say when the, the horse's ears perk up, when it's going to race really hard, when it's going to leap, right? So it's describing this old woman in shock, leaping out at them. I said, what are you talking about? Have you seen who you're talking about? And so she's in shock. So they tell her, no, 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 this is the command of Allah. Ibrahim salam says, no way, Allah didn't just send three angels over here to tell me about a boy. He has other ways of informing me of that. They're here for something more. And it's as if Allah wants me to know what, what else they're here for. So he asked them, What are you really here for? What's your actual mission, messengers? Or they say, well, um, actually, uh, We are actually sent to a, a criminal people so we can descend upon them pebbles made of clay, meaning a firestorm, a, a storm from the sky, a meteor shower from the sky of stones, musawwamatan and rabbika lil musrifin. That's been branded. Every bullet has been branded for the people that's going to strike, for those who excess. This is the nation of Lut. They're going to go kill everybody in the nation of Lut, right? Now, I won't go further, but I'll just I'll just tell you one thing. We we started talking about this surah. What were we talking about? The winds, judgment day. How there's a system in the sky that brings about life and brings about death. And then all of a sudden, Ibrahim salam and a barbecue and hey, what, what's going on? If you contemplate this a little bit, you'll appreciate something really beautiful. These angels came from the sky and they came to deliver two messages, one of life and one of death. They came to deliver the message that Ibrahim salam is going to have a child. That is the message of what? Of life. And they also brought with them a mission of death for the people of? This is actually a continuation, a manifestation of the same system, the same procedure Allah has put in place. What He does with the winds, He can bring life, He can bring death. What does He do with the angels? He will bring life, He will bring death. What does He bring through revelation? He will bring life through this revelation, He can bring about destruction through this revelation. It's part of the same system, subhanAllah, subhanAllah. It's really, really incredible how the argument is you know, postulated in the surah. This is not the end of the surah. There's a couple more passages, but I'll, I'll end with like one ayah towards the end. It's one of my favorite ayat in the surah. Allah describes Himself. He says, "Inna Allaha huwa razaqu al-mateen." It is Allah, in fact. He is the provider, and He is the possessor of extensive power. He describes Himself in two ways. He's the provider and the possessor of extensive power. Two attributes of Allah. Again, profoundly beautiful. Because when Allah brings life from the wind, and when Allah brought life into the family of Ibrahim السلام, he, that was his role as ar-razaq. But when Allah takes those same winds and destroys towns, and when Allah takes that, those same angels and destroys the people of Lut, that is Allah being dhul al mateen. So Allah mentions two of his names, that summarize what's been going on earlier on in this surah. And you know, it's like a, a succinct summary of so much of what has been said in just a simple phrase, in just a simple ayah, subhanAllah. So these are just some, some observations about this really, really beautiful surah. It's not a long surah. And if you haven't memorized it, you should take up the task of memorizing it. You'll really enjoy it. It's a very rhythmic, very beautiful surah. And its lessons and, it's, and the way it's, it, it you know, binds together all of its lessons is really quite something. So I pray Allah gives us more and more appreciation of the Quran 
and it helps us see helps us see its beauty, its logic, and make us think the way and make us see the world the way Allah wants us to see it through His Word. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Quran al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim.